Hello and welcome to a special episode of Stripping the Dipping. I'm your fun blag and I have an extra special guest this evening. We have a guy that in his teenage years has already achieved more than many of us could ever dream in Formula One. Uh, so he is the reigning national Formula Four Triple Crown champion, uh, having won at not just Silverstone, not just Browns Hatch, but also at Donington Park. And as we go into 2023, he's been selected by Fortec Motorsport to race in the GB4 championship. So without further ado, I cannot wait to get into it with Colin Queen. Hello, Colin. Welcome to the show. Hey, Black. Yeah, it's, it's good having me on. So uh, thank you so much. Let's, um, let's get down to it because I'm obsessed with the fountain of youth, right? Um, I, I talk about age a bit too much, but you know, you, you have achieved, your, your achievements have surpassed your years. When did you first put your right foot down and, and plant the power? Yeah, well, it, it started on my, my seventh birthday, actually, before that, really. Um, my, my parents have always been avid motorsports fans. And, um, you know, when I was uh, four years old, they used to plop me down in the, uh, the seat and, you know, have me watch all the V8 supercar races and uh, F1 car nascar you name it everything and uh i got amazing are you still there colin or have i gone can you hear me oh, perfect so um because uh even though uh you've had a lot of success on the on this side of the pond in the uk uh many people could tell your accent isn't native of northamptonshire so where do you hail from colin yeah, well, originally I'm from Southern California, uh, born and raised. And uh, about a year and a half ago, my family and I moved to West Palm Beach, Florida, and uh, which I'm currently at right now. And uh, it's, it's been it's been really good, but I definitely miss the uh, miss Southern California uh, lifestyle a bit. But you know, I've I've been living in the UK uh, more than I have in in Florida, so I'm more environment, and uh, I've been able to you know. Amazing. So you, you've talked about your first experiences watching the V8 supercars, IndyCar, F1, NASCAR. Do you have any sort of vivid image, a particular driver, a particular car that you can remember from that era? Yeah. So, well, I've, um, yeah, well, ever since I was a little kid, I don't have extremely vivid memories, but except F1, F1 really, uh, you know, hit, hit home for me with, you know, that I, I really want to, um, start rate my uh, start racing, and uh, for my seventh birthday, um, my dad took me to Adams Motorsports Park. Uh, I know you guys have had Troy Adams on the podcast a couple of months ago, which you know he's an absolutely fantastic person, um, great background. He's helped me probably more than anyone else uh, in my journey, and uh, you know I can't thank him enough for everything he's done for me. Um, so he took me to. Adams Motorsports Park when I was seven years old and, uh, you know, absolutely loved the go-kart and, you know, everything after that is history. Uh, you're making history as you go through. So what, what's really fascinating is we've talked to quite a few um, sort of drivers from the U.S. Yourself, we've talked to uh, Miles Rowe, we've talked to a couple female drivers who've been in the W Series and in the midget cars as well. Um, and of course, we talked to Mario Andretti. Um, but you, so you've you've taken the route to come to Europe. Um, so tell us a little bit about before you came to Europe. Sort of what you got into the carts at seven. 
what did you do? And then when was it that you decided, okay, no, I'm going to move to Northamptonshire and, and, and the cold weather? Yeah, well, the, the first time I, I, I came to Europe was uh, back in 2014 during the Rock Cup uh, final and in Italy. Um, I, I got that through a, a really lucky uh, prize at the SCUSA, um, my first year in the SCUSA championship and uh, in carts when I was in cadets. Um, and that opened up a, you know, huge perspective for my parents and myself. Um, and after that, it just became even more real. In 2018, um, I went to, to Europe again uh, to race OKJ and the WSK series in Italy, as well as um, represent the United States in the uh, CIK Academy Trophy Series. And, um, you know, when I really wanted to start cars, uh, I actually was going to run over here in the US. Um, but ever since COVID hit, uh, our plans have changed dramatically. And uh, it gave us more time to really think about, uh, you know, where, where we should go, where I should start, you know, my car career. And uh, that was with low Dempsey racing um, in the UK and from Ford. And that has probably been the best uh, decision we've ever made uh, from Ford just in incredible series. I've learned so much from it. Um, you know, I've had really good success this year in it. And uh, I think it's a great, great stepping stone uh, for, you know, F4 and beyond. Looks that way. I mean, looking at your record, so correct me if I'm wrong, the first year you came over, you placed eighth in the standings. And then last, or this year, just finishing, um, you won the Triple Crown, you came second in the overall standings. I mean, I, I always worry when sort of drivers are coming from other countries that they've got to learn the tracks and that we need to give them time. But you seem to have settled in really well. What would you put that down to? Yeah, well, a lot of training at that. Um, uh, the, the UK tracks are vastly different to you know, my limited experience in cars over here in the US. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think I've always been uh, good at picking up tracks quickly. And, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely helped in the, in the UK, you know, learning tracks like Snedderton, which is, you know, uh, one of the most technical tracks I've ever driven. Um, Anglesey and Knock Hill and um, Silverstone, all of those tracks um, I've, I've been able to pick up quickly. And uh, a lot of time on the simulator has helped with that as well. The simulator must be sort of a godsend uh, and something that may not have existed even a decade ago. Um, which of the UK tracks would you say uh, has been your favorite so far? That's that's quite a hard one. Uh, you know, just, I've had a lot of memorable um, experiences in uh, at pretty much every track. Um, if I were to sum it up, I would say Snedderton is my most favorite. I love technical circuits. Um, especially long ones, and uh, you know, I've I've been able to uh, flow with that that track really really easily, and uh, you know, I've had good good pace, good success there, um, and you know, really just me personally, it's just just a perfect track. I should employ you in the marketing department for Snetterton. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, we, I think I've driven past it on the way to a holiday um, and always wanted to go in. So, um, you, so you, you've been in Formula Ford for the last 
couple of years and obviously won that triple crown this series. You're looking to go into GB4, the GB4 championship. Can you tell our listeners what that's all about? Yeah, well, you know, the GB4 championship is, is quite new. It, you know, it just finished its first season this year. And, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I'm a avid believer in what Jonathan Palmer is, is doing with, you know, GB4 and GB3 series. Um, it, uh, it's definitely going to pick up pace next year. And it was out of all the options, it was the best choice for us. Um, and, you know, Fortech, um, you know, being the team they are, it's just incredible to work with, um, you know, going to the, the shootout, winning the, the prize money, um, working with them was, was, was great. Mm-hmm. And I think it was uh, quite, quite uh, an easy uh, decision to make. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's good to know this early what we're doing next year instead of, you know, over the past two years, having to scramble last second, you know, see what we're, you know, when we're flying out, when we're, where we're living and everything. I mean, Fortec have had some big names. I mean, I'm looking at it here and you've had sort of Juan Pablo Montoya, Mike Conway, uh, Heike Kovalainen. Um, you know, we're adding you to that list uh, as we, as we follow, <laughs> follow your career. Um, so tell me about the shootout. Um, you know, I'm I'm the sort of guy that, you know, obviously I have a day job, uh, but when there's a little bit of pressure on, things just feel a little bit more difficult. So you're in a shootout, I think, was it £20,000, but also yes. the ability to get this drive. Like, did you feel any different behind the wheel? Well, it was, it was, it was a new car to me. Uh, well, I did drive uh, a similar car back in 2020 during the lockdowns. Um, it, it was an F4 in California at a local racetrack, um, but you know, I think I settled in quite well with a slicks and wings car, and uh, you know was able able to uh, you know pick it up quite quite quickly, and um, you know be consistent enough and fast enough for them to uh, to decide that you know I'm I'm the one that uh, that should should earn it. So I'm, I'm truly grateful for that. Fantastic. And you mentioned Jonathan Palmer, who people of my vintage will remember. He used to be the uh, co-commentator in Formula One. Before Martin Brundle, there was Jonathan Palmer. And then he went off to set up Formula Palmer Aldi. So he's been a long devoted member of the kind of motorsport feeder community, trying to build a ladder uh, to get the talent to the top. So tell us, so GB4 is a new series. Um, where, do you know a bit about where it's come from? Um, you know, is there a specific vision? Is it about making it affordable? Um, what can you tell us about the series in that regard? Yeah, well, it's definitely, um, you know, uh, an affordable series um, for F4 standards. And, uh, you know, it, 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 uh, you know, after GB4, there's GB3. It's a good platform uh, to jump right ahead and, um, you know, get, get your jump into the, into the deep end in, in F3. Um, and you know, I think GB4 is just a great stepping stone for that for me. Um, you know, hopefully next year uh, or at the, uh, the end of next year, you know, if I have good success, uh, I should uh, be able to make that decision and uh, go to GB3 um, and, you know, just go up that uh, the sports ladder from there. So um, before we came on air, you were talking to Georgie about the sort of physicality of karting and driving. 
Um, I'm always fascinated because um, there was some footage recently of Yuki Tsunoda and Max Verstappen battling out in the go-karts. I think they were in Japan after the end of the Formula One season. Um, and Yuki Tsunoda was holding his own, to say the least. Um, what's the difference? You know, you talked about slicks and wings, but like switching from go-karts uh, to those initial sort of feeder car series, what's the difference in your driving style and does it favor particular drivers over others? Yeah, well, it was quite an easy switch from karts to to the Formula Ford, uh, you know, with that, you get semi-slicks tires, no arrow, no downforce, and, uh, you know, you're basically chucking the car into the corner um, and trying to keep the, the minimum speed as high as possible, um, you know, without, you know, just, just trying to, uh, and, and using as little steering angle, positive steering angle as possible. Um, and that's, you know, what I've learned from go-karts. And uh, you know, I think going through the uh, to a slicks and wings, it's a, it's a bit harder. Um, you know, after another test with with Fortec, uh, I was um, you know just trying to pick up those those little pieces of you know how, what I should be doing better, um, especially in you know, high speed corners and everything. Um, but I've been able to adapt to that pretty quick. Um, I think the team's happy with with how I'm doing so. Yeah, I, I think going into next year should be should be good. But the carts, it's it's much more physical than uh, than any car I, I would say I've ever driven, um, especially Formula Ford. Um, you know, the the G loads on your neck and and forearms are immense. Um, there's almost no physicality in Formula Ford. Uh, so you know, my my training program for F force changed dramatically with with that. So. Um, hopefully by February, come February, I will, uh, you know, gain a couple pounds in, in muscle uh, and be able to, to, to go. That's a key distinction because I think most of us are going to gain a couple pounds over the next few weeks as we uh, go through Christmas. But yeah, um, yep. important, important uh, that it's muscle. Um, so um Thinking about the move to slicks and wings cars as you described them, we were listening. I was listening to uh, one of our sort of sort of peer podcasts. There's, there are some guys uh, who, who who host a podcast called Slow Pit Stop, and they had a, a woman called Bianca Bustamante uh, who is in the W Series. Uh, I think she comes from the the Philippines, um, and she was describing in certain corners you actually drive faster. You actually, it's kind of counterintuitive. You've come up from carts, you, there's more grip if you drive faster in the corner. I don't know if that's right, or like, could you describe a little bit like what the adjustments you've had to make or you will have to make as you go into F, F4 equivalent cars? Yeah, well, with, with things like, you know, slip angle on the, on the tires, pushing the car to the edge is much more complicated than throwing it into the corner and, you know, trying to go as fast as possible and keep your min, minimum speed up. Um, all the way around, uh, you know, in the slicks and wings car, you can't do that. And uh, you have to be as smooth as possible um, going to the corner with, uh, you know, a little bit less speed and, you know, pick up the throttle earlier. So, you know, you get that, that little bit extra uh, downforce throughout the corner and you know, have the car stable throughout. Um, that's definitely one of the 
biggest challenges I'm facing at the moment uh, coming from from before. But uh, hopefully, I'll uh, you know the last test I did was much better, so I should be able to to be good with that. I mean, uh, we have every confidence and every faith, uh, and, and best of for the series. Do you know when? Um, we, we we started the podcast, uh, you talked about sort of your earliest memories. And and then when I asked the follow-up question, you sort of fixated on, on Formula One as, as and it sounded like maybe that's your target, but I don't want to project that onto you. Is it, but, but in a dream scenario, is that the series you'd end up in or like, what are your aspirations in, in motorsport? Well, I think that's, that's everyone's, you know, top goal for me. It's, it's IndyCar. I mean, I, I would never uh, turn down a, an F1 ride any day of the week. So, but uh, IndyCar is, is my, my goal. Um, being in Europe, you know, uh, I think helps a lot with that, uh, going against, you know, immense competition all around. And, uh, you know, being in that type of environment, getting that exposure and media attention and everything. Um, but then hopefully getting recognized back in the States, you know, when I get to go to, uh, you know, Indy Pro or Indy Next. Um, uh, you know, I, I should uh, be you know, uh, one of the front runners up in that series. And you, you mentioned uh, it's almost the fate of COVID that made you think about where you would run next and you picked Europe. Um, so is the, is the sort of vision in the medium term, obviously you're going to be in GB4. You talked about looking to promote up to GB3 with success. Um, would it then be moving back to the sort of indie feeder ladder like where how do you see your progression or is it or do you don't want to predict it you see where you go yeah well it's it's 50 50 with with what you said you know i i, I definitely want to go back to the u.s and um and, and race here and you know hopefully indy next then um you know the top feeder series for for indycar um but you know i'm not discounting any options i'll have in uh, i'll hopefully have in the next year or two for sure. Um, so tell us a little bit about your setup, because I'm, I, th I think that it's easy as a, you know, we're all fans of motorsport here and we sort of hear people say, oh, yes, and now I'm in this series and I had to adjust to the car. Da, 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 da. But the reality as a human being, obviously, you've got your family, you have your education, you've got to find sponsors, you know, you need manage, you need a management, et cetera, et cetera. Can you describe so your you're currently back home in the U.S. at the moment, but when you're over in Europe, are you? Uh, do you have your family with you, or who? Who's sort of with you? And and you know, have you? What are you doing about high school? How, how's that all factoring in? Yeah, well, well, firstly, I, um, I I live over in the U.K. by myself. Well, with my teammate um, this year was with Andre Wafand, um, who's my teammate on on Ammonite, and um, uh, you know, being uh, away from. From mom and dad was a, a big step you know last year when i was 16. um you know, I'm, I'm grateful that they they let me go this early uh, you know i think i've, I've proven to them that you know i'm mature enough to to live on my own and and uh be capable of you know holding my own over there and um you know all that all that good stuff so and uh i think Yeah, well, that that's about it. Uh, what was the yeah. last part of your question? Are you, no, it's fine. So, are you are you kind of deferring study, or are you sort of extremely disciplined and sort of balancing everything? How do you make it all work? Yeah, well, I I, I try. I definitely try my best. 
Um, I'm, I'm online schooled, so I don't uh, go to a regular uh, school in the U.S. or anything or in the U.K. Uh, it's all on my laptop. Uh, I do you know, everything on there. And, uh, you know, balancing everything. It, it's, it's, it's definitely difficult, but I think I've set up a, a good structure um, to where you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be able to, to maximize you know, everything I do in a daily basis. Well, I mean, listen, the level of maturity and, and, and personal organization that you're describing probably surpasses that of most of our listeners, including and, and myself. So, you know, full credit to you to make it all work. The temptation must be there to sort of, you know, focus on what's in front of you at the time rather than balancing uh, everything. Uh, so you've moved over to the UK with your teammate for the season uh, and we've discussed you sort of live near Sil Silverstone. Um, like, how does that work during the week? Are there, how do you socialise? Because I suppose people your age are all sort of in school or something, or are you absolutely focused on racing, testing, learning? Like, how, what's life like <laughs> over in the UK with, you, with your teammate? Yeah, well, uh, firstly, we don't um, really see each other most of the day. Uh, I go to Silverstone every weekday, um, and there's a, there's a facility there called iZone, uh, driver performance. It's it's run by John Pratt. He used to run Formula Ford uh, back in the '80s, and uh, you know it's a it's a great great uh, program he has there. Uh, you know with physical, mental, and um, you know, technical uh, training. So that's where I go to every day. Um, you know, get my schoolwork done in the morning and everything, and then train in the afternoon to uh, later in the day, and then you know, go home at five. PM or so, uh, stop at Sainsbury's, get my get my food, get my chicken. Uh, best best food is in the UK is definitely chicken, um, and you know cook it at home. Uh, and yeah, do you know um, the rest of my activities for the rest of the day? Go to bed. Same thing the next morning. Uh, you know it's but it's a good environment because there's a lot of kids there um, that I've been able to socialize and make friendships with. Uh, and you know, it's helped me tremendously with my mental state of mind and uh, my, my physical, uh, you know, on and off track, uh, as well as technical. And I think that's, that's been uh, part of why I've been uh, so successful this year. It sounds like you've structured things, you're a very motivated and driven person, and uh, you're leaving no stone unturned. Um, you talked about chicken being the best food in the UK. My co-host AMG Dens would, I'm sure, agree. Um, do you have like a guilty pleasure? So I don't know if there's like a local takeaway or like a dessert or something like, obviously, you've got to watch what you're eating for that mental and physical state. But is there something that, you know, your guilty pleasure uh, when it comes to food in the UK? Yeah, well, there's a there's a local uh, Turkish restaurant nearby. It's not a, a guilty pleasure per se. Um, it, it's, it's, but it's, it's really good food and I, I will order a, a takeaway every now and now and then. Um, and, the, also maybe get a, a Ben and Jerry's or something, uh, from the store here and there as well. Uh, so yeah, brownie, brownie, uh, flavored ice cream is definitely my favorite. 
Yeah, I mean, I, there's no arguments here uh, on that one. Okay, Turkish. Yeah, I was going to say that's quite. As long as you're not eating the desserts uh, there, uh, you know what is it called? The baklavas, very, very, very sugary and carby. I love it. Baklavas, but, you know. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, absolutely, sounds amazing. So, um, you talked a bit about IndyCar being your target. Did you find yourself watching, or do you have even time to watch uh, the season uh, while you're over in the UK? Did you see this year's uh, season? Yeah, yeah, I, I thought it was a, a really good season. I'm, I've, I've tried to watch every race, but, you know, it's streams extremely late at night, and I don't have anything to record it on, so um, I'll just have to, you know, watch the results at the, uh, at the end of uh, well, the beginning of the next day. Yeah, I mean, uh, what was it, five drivers entering the last round all with a chance, albeit some yeah. slightly more distant, to, to win the championship? Um, yeah. And presumably you sort of, well, you watch, I'm sure you watch Formula One. Like, what what would you see as, like, the key differences between F1 and IndyCar in the sense that you can get five drivers vying for the championship up to the last round? Is it the fact it's largely a sort of spec series? Or, you know, what, what makes the racing so close in, in, in IndyCar? Yeah, well, I think the spec aspect of IndyCar makes the racing so much closer. Um, and the... The amount of drivers on the grid as well, you know, have a shot at winning a race every time. You know, you, you never know who's going to win the race in IndyCar. You know, it could be someone from you know, 15th position. So uh, it's it's a it's a gamble every race. Um, you know, it's you know, very uh, much a, a strategy you know, game as F1, um, but the spec aspect definitely. Uh, makes it much more exciting, and uh, you know I, I, that's definitely uh, that's pretty much why why I really want to go to IndyCar. Well, and uh, you know it's it's here in the U.S. I don't have to travel all over the world and, or anything, um, but yeah, it's 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 just a perfect series in my eyes. I'd agree with that, and we love IndyCar on this. It's a real common misconception among European sort of fans of motorsport that, oh, yeah, they're just mainly ovals. I looked at the season this year. I think there are only four ovals, not that I dislike ovals. So um, lots of road and street courses, um, the competitiveness, the refueling from my perspective makes it sort of, as you say, tactically much, much more interesting. As you say, yeah. you, you could be out of sync and then suddenly the person in 15th is leading the race because they they ran a little bit longer or, or they've gone out of sync. Um, do you, do you have any sort of favorite drivers in the current uh, series? And also, I guess, do you have any idols from yesteryear that you particularly looked up to? Yeah, well, you know, Colin, Colin Herta is, is definitely my favorite driver on the grid. I looked up, I look up to him, you know, with, you know, a great, uh, you know, uh, well, what do you, how do you say it? Um, well, any other than that. Uh, so, yeah, well, Colin Herta, he, he ran at, Amos Motorsports Park uh, when I was a little kid and with Buddy Rice and um, I've I watched him go around the track I don't know how many times uh, in, in a, you know junior cart and you know now where he is now he's uh, he's definitely had a lot of success in IndyCar and I look up to that uh, greatly you know and he's definitely my main idol. Um, but back in back in the uh, the day, I don't I don't know much. I, I 
Scott Dixon, definitely. Mm. Um, I mean, he's definitely one of the most successful IndyCar driver there, there has been. Um, you know, being how old he is, he's you know an anomaly in motorsport, and uh, how he can even you know physically handle an IndyCar is, is is incredible. So I look up to him as well. Yeah, I, I, I might be making this up, but am I right in thinking in IndyCar they don't have power steering? I can't remember. Maybe that's maybe no. I've dreamt that. No, they don't. Right. Yeah. So I, as you say, that that strength that you need with the amount of power uh, and G-force uh, is incredible. Yeah, I think it was Roman Grosjean that uh, that said that he he almost passed out at the end of his first race because it was so so difficult compared to the F1 because you know after F2, right? There's no power steering in F2, and then you get straight to F1. Oh, okay. A little bit easier. But, yeah. Oh, I mean, I don't think it would be possible to drive an F1 car that race distance and, you know, with the aerodynamics and downforce and everything. So, I, I, I would guess not, although it would be intriguing to see it. I'm sure there have probably been... Yeah. Some, some occasions where power steering has, has partially failed and, you know, we may not have heard about that. Um, right. you, you mentioned Colton Herter and, like, I don't, I'm sure you will have spotted the parallel, but he too kind of came over to Europe as a, a teenager. Yep. He was in um, sort of British and Spanish Formula 3. So in a way, if you make it up to sort of, well, when you make it, should we say, up to GB3, you'll, you'll be following uh, in his footsteps. Is that something you right. think about or is it too soon to say? It's a bit too soon to say, but I, I don't doubt that I'll be in GB3, um, you know, in, in the next year or so. So, um, you know, in, in a sense, in a way, I am following in his footsteps, um, and I think it's the best avenue for me, uh, you know, in order to, to make it to IndyCar. So, you know, it's ever since we made the decision in 2020 to go over to the UK to run from Ford, you know, it's stuck with us that, yeah, we, we really need to, to be over here um, and say in the U.S. Absolutely. Um, so, and, and, and tell me about this, because you, you sort of talked about, so you've, you've obviously got this, um, you won the prize, you won the shootout, you're in the GB4 Challenge Championship next season. Um, but you talked about, I think you used the word scrabbling or scrambling around um, last minute. How difficult, like explain to our listeners how difficult like sponsorship is for any sort of budding racing driver um, as they progress uh, through their career? Yeah, well, it's, it's definitely hard, uh, especially in a junior category. Um, you really have to convince a business that, uh, you know, in order to, or, or, or an individual, that in order to uh, um, you know, gain that sponsorship, it's it's going to be tough. It's going to, uh, you know, I might not make it. Uh, someone might 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 not make it. Um, so it's it's a gamble for for someone sponsoring uh, a junior category driver. Uh, that's the hardest aspect of it. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a challenge. Absolutely, and I mean. Um... I was having a look at your website. You've got some partners, commercial partners, but also charitable uh, partners. Um, I, I'm seeing here that the Children's Hospital in, in Los Angeles is a sort of charity that 
at least you've thanked them for being your partner. Is there a special connection there or is, is that sort of a philanthropic venture you have or what's your connection uh, with that? Yeah, hospital? well, it's, that's, um, it's probably the biggest story uh, here. Well, I've, I was born with, um, with a heart defect um, and you know, Children's Hospital saved my life. Uh, you know, I went, you know, my parents went through some of the most stressful situations in their life. Um, I had to do a lot, a lot of work uh, to even be able to, to compete in racing and, and um, you know, be here. But, um, you know, they've, they've been incredible, um, an incredible hospital, so many kids. It's one of the best in the world. Um, and, you know, I, I really want to give back to them and uh, especially the, the heart community um, to really bring inspiration and hope to children like me. Well, uh, I can only sort of applaud that. And, and I think what you talk about inspiration at the end there, um, it's whether you, you sound like a kind of humble or modest guy, but if, you know, you talked about that stressful situation for your parents uh, when you were born and in your early life, um, to then see you um, over in Europe uh, winning shootouts and racing in sort of one of the key feeder series, um, it must inspire children and you talked about the heart community so so kudos to you and um best of luck uh to anyone associated with uh with the hospital uh there so so tell so tell me um and, and we talked a bit about health but um let's swerve away from health it's the off season right it's december right. as we record this clearly you you're, you're going to do some work on your physical fitness uh ready for the Slick some wings car that you'll be driving next season. But what does a typical off season look like for you? Um, having spent the time in Silverstone, you're back in the US. What, 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 what do you do to unwind? And, and what does the winter look like for you? Yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm stuck here in Florida, really. Uh, I don't have anyone to, to be around except for my family. Um, so all I can really do is, you know, finish out school uh, for the semester and, and train. Um, my heart out, you know, for, for next season. Um, a lot of it is, is physical and, and mental training, um, huge aspects there, uh, as well as technical, being on the sim every day, um, doing a bunch of you know, drills uh, in, the, in the F4, and, you know, uh, bridge circuits. So that's, that's what I'm, I'm doing in, in my, uh, in my uh, well, off season, so. Not much time left until I, I go back. Uh, so hopefully I can make the most of, of what I have here. Well, I, I implore you to make the most of the warm or mild weather, whatever it's doing at the moment. We, we currently have a uh, cold weather warning. And believe it or not, it's so cold that in some localities, the government is paying people to heat their homes. That's how cold it is uh, this week. So enjoy that beautiful warm weather in, and your family. You, you yeah. mentioned that mental training and drills. What, what is the mental training that you, you are pursuing at the moment to prepare you for next season? Yeah, well, you know, I've, uh, a lot of mental training is meditation practices and um, you know, saying affirmations and everything. Uh, it, it's helped me greatly this year. Um, you know, iZone uh, has uh, introduced me to that whole, you know, lifestyle 
and I've been hooked on it uh, ever since. So, yeah, it's 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 pretty hard um, to get into at first, uh, but I think now I'm much better better at it, and uh, you know, getting a bit closer to 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 Buddha level. <laughs> And, and what does that help you do? Is that about sort of organizing your thoughts or is it about dealing with pressure? What, what, what do you think that meditation and, and, and those sorts of mental aspects give you uh, the, in terms of the edge for your game? Yeah, well, it's, it's all aspects um, of everyday life and motorsport. Um, whatever you do, it's helpful for everything. Um, and Mostly I've been uh, focusing on, you know, how I'm going to, you know, implement uh, mental training before a race uh, or a race weekend, uh, you know, getting into the zone uh, before a race is, is crucial um, in order for, you know, for anyone to do well um, in anything. So, you know, just practicing that all the time, uh, you know, not slipping up on, you know, all that, all the training with that, um, it'll just boost me into another level next year. Amazing. Um, well, you know, best of luck with that. Um, as we wind down the interview, we have a few, um, I guess, sort of less serious questions um, that we're going to trial on you. Is that all right? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So we've talked a bit about IndyCar so far. Let's switch to Formula One. Um, there is a, a game, a famous game, slightly ruder, but we're not going to use the rude version. Today we're going to, we're going to say taxi, dinner, and avoid. So you have to pick from one member of the, the Formula One grid um, to drive you to dinner. You have to pick another member of the Formula One grid to have dinner with and that conversation. And then, and this is the controversial one, you have to pick one member of the Formula One grid that unfortunately you're going to avoid for whatever reason. Uh, so tell us, uh, taxi, dinner, avoid, who are your picks, uh, Mr. Queen? Okay. Definitely for taxi. Uh, well, that's a hard one. Um, I think it would have to be uh, definitely, definitely Lando Norris. Um, you know, he's, yeah, I, I uh, off of other people, that have told me about, you know, his personality and everything, uh, you know, he'd, he'd be a, you know, a good taxi driver, obey the laws and everything, still go a bit quick and, uh, you know, have a good conversation with. Uh, for dinner, I think, hmm, I think Lewis Hamilton, uh, he's, he's definitely, you know, the type of person that uh, you can have a, a very in-depth conversation with um, and also, you know, laugh and joke around. Um, then to avoid, uh, I'd say, I'd say Valtteri Bottas. <laughs> Sorry, it's just uh, been uh, the Finnish people. <laughs> I've dealt with uh, a couple of Finnish people in my life, and they're a bit, um, you know, mellow and not, not, not too uh, upbeat. So, I mean, oh, definitely. Valtteri Bottas eats a lot of porridge and drinks a lot of cafe, uh, coffee and espresso. So, you know, I'm sure he's more upbeat than your average Finn. Uh, but, you know, I'm sure he won't take too much offense uh, no, to your no. diplomatic answer. <laughs> Don't like porridge or coffee either. 
Oh no, okay, well there we are. Coffee, you will, as you age and your brain needs a kickstart in the morning, I'm sure coffee will become a crutch. <laughs> okay, um, right, the next game of three. Um, you are um, the team principal. You have a time machine, so you can pick a driver from any era. You need to pick a, a driver lineup uh, to drive for your team. You need two drivers. Uh, so any the rules are basically any driver from any era or two drivers from any era. Um, who would you pick? Why? And also thinking about the pairing, how they'd work together. So who would who okay. would you pick in your team? Oh, I, I definitely have to go with both Mika Hakkinen and Michael Schumacher, you know, one of the all-time greats, perfect lineup, um, uh, you know, great people, great, incredible drivers, um, you know, both extremely consistent um, and, uh, and aggressive. So, yeah, definitely, definitely uh, going to pick those two. And you redress the balance, so we won't be getting any hate mail from Helsinki uh, picking a finished <laughs> yeah. driver for the driver lineup. So, so well done. Uh, although, um, if I recall correctly, uh, Mika Hakkinen did replace uh, Michael Andretti in um, yeah. Europe. Speaking of Americans uh, trying to work in Europe, so you know it's yeah. a fifty-fifty there. But no, fair play. No, you've been fantastic. Okay. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> we come to the the question of all questions, and you strike me as a guy that's quite healthy. But unfortunately, we're going to force you to eat some carbs here. Okay. Uh, so this question is all about pizza. We've asked the greats of the sport, anyone that we've interviewed, we've asked this very, very important question. Uh, so you'll serve the pizza um, in a restaurant and it has pineapple, uh, pineapple on it. Do you eat it or not? Pineapple on pizza, yes or no? It's going to be a bit controversial, but I, I do like pineapple on pizza. So Yes, Colin, I love you so much. <laughs> <laughs> You're part of a pineapple squad. Okay, fantastic. Yes. A growing minority. You you and uh, Mario Andretti would not get on, but on all other aspects, you have a lot in common. So fair play. Okay, great, great. <laughs> okay, brilliant. Well, look, thank you so much for, for giving us your time um, Yeah, today. well, I, I can't thank you guys enough for having me on the show. Yeah, well, no problem. And we look forward to following you, uh, particularly when you come over and have to endure the cold weather uh, with us in the UK. Before... Um, before we let you go, is there anything you'd like to shout out and, and where can our listeners find you? Um, yeah, well, you know, shout out to you know, all the coaches, you know, throughout, throughout my career has helped me, have helped me, especially Troy Adams. You know, you guys have had him on the podcast, um, you know, earlier. Uh, and, you know, he's just an incredible guy, um, someone that I've always looked up to even to this day, um, he's had such a successful career, um, you know, on track and off and, uh, you know, and he's just, you know, just someone that I will never forget. Um, and what are your, do you have Twitter? Do you have Instagram? I mean, I'm, I'm going to expose my age here and, and, and not know the right platform, but where can we follow your exploits over the coming years? Yeah, well, you can follow me on every platform, uh, Twitter, Facebook, um, Instagram, not TikTok. I don't have TikTok um, and uh, LinkedIn. So yeah, those are 
those are my websites. Uh, LinkedIn is at Colin Queen. Uh, Instagram is uh, Colin Queen 111. Uh, Twitter is Colin Queen uh, Racing. Um, I forgot. Uh, I keep looking at my Twitter, but for some reason I keep forgetting my username. Um, uh, my uh, my website is ColinQueenRacing.com. Uh, and my, and my email is colinqueenracing at gmail.com. So for all those sponsors out there, uh, colinqueenracing.com, you can find all the right links and all the right email addresses. Yep. Um, Colin, it's been an absolute pleasure. Before you go, um, you know, your story, um, and I know it's patronizing to say, but at a tender age, what you've done, you moving to Europe um, on your own or with your teammate, being such an ambassador um, and, and flying the flag for the Children's Hospital of, of Los Angeles, the success you've already had um, on circuits that you sort of are still quite new to and the success that I'm sure is still to come. It's been an absolute privilege talking to you, Colin. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Mike. Fantastic. Well, look, um, guys, what a, what a fantastic conversation. We hope to have Colin back. We hope to track his success. Not we hope, we know we're going to track his success over the, the coming years. Uh, and then ride his coattails straight into IndyCar. Uh, and we expect paddock passes at, L at Laguna Seca, I'm sure. Um, this has been your unusual co-host, F1 Blag, joined by the fantastic and high potential Colin Queen. We look forward to joining you, uh, for you joining us next time. Give us a review where you listen to us. Please share, please like, subscribe. Until next time, this has been Stripping the Dipping. Good night. <laughs>